Hallelujah, Jesus. What will heaven be like? Amen. Such an amazing God, amazing God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles with me to the book of James, if you would. Chapter 4. As you turn there, our core kids are dismissed. James chapter 4, verse 13, when you got to say so. It says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the beauty of your presence in this place. And Lord, we just pray now that as we sit before you, Lord, that you would speak to us, that we would be attentive to your voice, that we would be responsive to your truth, and that you would be glorified in us, Lord God, that we would not be hearers alone, but that we would be doers of it, Lord God. Glorify your name through the preaching of your word. We pray this in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, just hold your hand up and the ushers will get you an outline. You want to keep your hand up until they bring it to you. As always, it is important that we do have these outlines so that we can follow along in the intro of the sermon. You can take notes. There's some good introspective questions there for you to answer and also this is a tool that you can utilize to help someone grow in their faith and so you can disciple someone you can use this in family devotionals you can use this um, with a friend at work on a break uh, there's a lot of different ways you can utilize this to help someone grow in their faith and so that is my hope and my prayer is that you are committed to helping someone grow and that this would be a tool that you could use for that and so also, uh, if you are following along in our Bible reading challenge, we are on today is today. Today is day 190 of the Bible reading challenge, and we are in Psalms. We're still in the book of Psalms, chapters 94 and 297 are what we are reading. And so if you're following along in that challenge, we are there. If you haven't um, followed along, you can, you can jump in today, um, and you can start reading those chapters with us. And so that is um, where we're at. So also, today we are continuing in our series. And so our series is our Testify series. This is the ninth sermon. And in this series, we're coming to the last um, chapter here. Um, next, next week, we'll get into chapter 5. We'll spend a few weeks there, and then we'll be finished there and moving on to the book of Mark. But today, we are going to be talking about dependence. It is the dependence test. And so, as we read this, as we read these Psalms, if you look at your outline, there are, as we read this scripture here, if you look at your outline, one of the greatest struggles we as human beings have is not being in control. Hello, somebody. How many, of you, how many of you want to be in control of things? How many of you really believe you're in control of things? 
Like you run the show, right? Like, like, like you, like, like it's your way it's, or it's no way, right? Like that's it. You know, some of us, we're like that, you know, like this is my house, my rules, you know, that's how we do it. Uh, you know, and so we, 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 we pretend or, or we assume or we embrace, like we run it, right? But, you know, the reality is I, I don't know that we're as much in control as we would like to think. Amen. I know you don't want to hear that. You don't want to amen that. You're like, no, I'm in control. And you're like, Bishop, I don't know what you think. Listen, I'm just letting you know that we're not as much in control as we would like to think. And so it's important for us to look at the scriptures and see what the scriptures teach us. But our pride, second part of that paragraph, our pride wants us to fight for control rather than surrendering to the sovereign rule of God. When it comes not just to the rules of our house, but the rules of our lives, that what, what we want to do is we want to fight for control. We want to have control. And really, the truth of the matter is we need to submit to the one who is really in control. The book of Proverbs tells us something. It gives us some directives and some promises regarding our dependence upon the Lord and his guidance. And so I'm doing a new believers class. And in our new believers class, there are 13 scriptures that they have to memorize during this class. And so one of those students are here, and I'm going to have her say the, the verse. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. She was turning red and she was sinking in her seat um, as, as I was saying that. She was like, no, he didn't. No, I won't do that to you. But this is one of the verses they have to remember. And this is a verse that God is going to guide us, right? He's going to direct us. But what does it tell us? Proverbs 3, um, 5 through 6, it tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, right? Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of your ways, and he will direct your path. He will make your path straight, right, depending on what version you're memorizing it in. But these directives are what? That we are to trust the Lord, that we are to not lean on our own understanding, that we are to acknowledge him in all of our ways, and that he will direct our paths. He will make them straight. That's what the, the promise and the directive is. And so what James is doing here is he is echoing these principles, and we must determine for us as Christians, we must determine to walk in complete dependence upon the Lord every day in every area of our lives. Would you agree to that? That's what we as believers should be doing. We should be seeking to walk in dependence upon him, walking in dependence upon his will for our lives, that we would live out what he desires for us. And so third paragraph there, as believers, our dependence upon the Lord must be evident as a witness to the world and other believers that we trust in the sovereignty, wisdom, and goodness of God, showing them that they can put their trust in him as well. See, this whole series, Testify, is about what? It's about giving testimony to, to the fact that I have faith in God. And when I have faith in God, my life is going to speak certain things. And those things are going to either say, A, I trust the Lord, or B, I do not. And all of these different areas. And so today, we're talking about this area of dependence. And so we were praying this morning, and as we were in prayer this morning uh, before first service, one of the petitions that were brought up, Sister Cheryl brought it up, and she said, you know, sometimes, you know, we get around family, and we, you know, when we're around our church family, we talk about Jesus like on a norm, and we discuss the things of God, but when we get around our family that is not Christian, right, not believers, it's easy sometimes to kind of, you know, not talk about Jesus so much. It's easy to kind of, you know, be silent rather than vocal and things like that, and so one of the things that, you know, I said to her, I said, you know, one of the things that we can do, right, is when we're there with our non-believing family is when we're getting ready to eat, because typically when we're with our family, we're eating, right? Because we all love to eat. Amen. Y'all are thinking about lunch already. Stop thinking about lunch. Listen. But when we're around our non-believing family, you could just interrupt them from their getting ready to grub and just say, hey, can we just pray for this food for a moment? Can I just lead us in a prayer? 
And that may not be a big deal to you, but the one thing that I realize is that when we're talking about praying over our meal, right, they may, they may be like, no, we don't do that. Or, you know, typically they're going to out of respect do that. But what you do is in that moment, you bring God into the conversation. And if you are praying from your heart, which I believe that, you know, you will, don't do it as just a religious thing. What you are going to do is you are going to say something like, Lord, I thank you for this food. Now, why does that even matter? See, there's something different for us today than when I look back at history. When I look back at history, like, you know, you guys know that, you know, I like Little House on the Prairie and stuff like that. So, you know, Little House on the Prairie is a show that is, you know, it's old school, way old school, you know, way before a lot of our time and stuff like that. But in Little House on the Prairie, when these guys are praying for their food, it's a different prayer than what we pray today. Because when they pray for their food, they are saying, God, thank you for letting it rain. Thank you for allowing my hard work out there, tilling the ground, sowing that seed. Thank you for allowing that work not to be in vain, but allowing me to experience your blessing and we're able to eat of your bounty and provision. Are you here? See, it's a different prayer that we pray today because our lives are so different. See, when you get up, if you work, you know, you get up and you, you know, roll out of bed, whatever time you do, grab your coffee, you know, do your routine, you go to work, do your thing, and all that kind of stuff. You're not thinking in those terms like, man, God gave me the breath that I'm breathing today. You're not thinking in those terms, God is the one that allowed this job that I come to that I complain about half the time. Hello, somebody. God allowed this job. He, he allows, he keeps this company from shutting down. The reason why I'm able to take out my little plastic thing and I'm able to slide it and not get declined is because someone is behind that provision. And it is not me because I am so great. It is not my job because they are so prosperous. It is the God who provides all things for us. And so when I sit down with my family and I say, let us pray, I'm bringing to bear on the conversation that the reason we're able to eat these elements right now is because there is a provider. And we need to take a moment to pause and say, thank you. You may never thank him any other time except in my presence. But when I'm here, we need to thank him. You don't got to say it pridefully. And you got to preach like I just did. Hello. You don't got to get up on a soapbox and do it. It's a simple prayer unto the Lord. We need to teach our families this. We need to make sure we're instilling this idea of dependence. The reason that we pray at every meal, the reason why no matter where I'm at, I, and listen, and some of you, you pray in the morning and you say, thank you, Jesus, and don't pray for anything else throughout the day. That's on you however you do it. I just hope that you're really being thankful in that prayer, whenever it is. Because it's not about praying in front of people. It's not about praying. It's, it's about you really being sincere and understanding, man, God, see, for me, I just feel like, you know, Lord, I just want to say thank you again. I, I, I want to be grateful right now and acknowledge that I'm only doing this because of your provision. Our kids should be receiving that understanding from us as parents. But let me say something, parents. If we don't have it in us, we're not going to pass it on to them. If we don't think in those terms, they're not going to get that. No matter how much or how many times we pray, they're never going to understand that from the place that it really needs to be understood. They're never going to get that from the place that, 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 you know what, man, when you open that refrigerator, that's because Jesus allowed that. Hello. That's because the Lord has provided, you know. And so we need to instill those things in our kids. So here's the big idea that I have. Well, before I get to that, I just want to point this out. When you and I do this and we demonstrate our trust to the Lord, what we are doing is we're testifying to the world, hey, there's a God you can trust. 
You know what we're demonstrating to our brothers and sisters in Christ? Hey, the God that we serve, you can trust him in the midst of this. You can, when I'm going through this, what I'm depending on him, and you can do that. See, when I live that way, that's what I'm speaking to those people. And so here's the big idea for the day. Our dependence upon the Lord testifies to our faith. Our dependence upon the Lord testifies to our faith. If we really say we have faith, if we really say we believe, then we must walk in true dependence upon Jesus. We must walk as those who are really saying, man, God, I really do trust you. I, re I really do depend. I'm not, I'm not depending upon myself. doesn't mean I don't plan. doesn't mean anything like that. But I am really dependent upon you. And so the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we cannot be dependent upon the Lord and remain ignorant of his will. We cannot be dependent upon the Lord and remain ignorant of his will. That's that first point there. That we cannot, we cannot be, if I'm going to be dependent upon him, I cannot be ignorant of his will. So look at these verses with me. Look at verse 13 here and what it says in verse 14 and verse 16. So these three verses, we'll look at them together. So the first thing he says, is, says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Now let, let, let's pause for a moment. Now, now, how many of you would say that you have said tomorrow I'm going to or next week I'm going to or next month I'm going to? Raise your hand if you would say that. We're going to do some surveys today, a few of them. I got at least three for you. So most of us, right, we, the, the guys, you know, um, we, we went on a, on a rafting trip just this, this, this past weekend for the guys that couldn't make it. Man, you really missed it. I just want to let you know. I just have to throw that in your face for a moment. Um, I know you wanted to be there, but, you know, for those that want to be there, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. For those of you that, anyway, listen. The point is, we weren't even on the way back, and we were already planning the next one. I'm just serious. I mean, like, 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 you know, we had such a great time. You know, we have a couple of rules. You know, one of them, we, you know, we have, we, we have Chef Lou in the house. Amen. Glory to God. And so Chef Lou is going. We're paying for him, as a matter of fact. He's not paying for himself because he did such a great job. We're paying for him. Glory to God. To make sure that he is there. Um, just amazing, amazing, amazing time. You know, um, we have some great, we have some good entertainment. I won't talk about the entertainment. But anyway, um, you know, we have, there, there's some certain things that have to happen. So, so here's the thing that I, have, that, that I have this question. Because when I read this scripture here, it sounds like, amen. It sounds like, right, it, what, 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 it, what it sounds like, it sounds like that's wrong. At face value, when I read the scripture, it sounds like planning like that, like saying, hey, you know, next year on this rafting trip, you know, we're considering bringing the families. We're, we're not sure about that yet, but we're considering it. No, no, we want to bring the families. We do want to bring the families. We want to bring the families. We want to make a family fun and have a great time. It's going to be good. You guys are going to enjoy it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. I'm telling you. You're planning one? Well, the ladies are planning one, so the guys are going to plan one. So y'all go and we'll go separately, right? Is that what we want to do? Is that how we want to, that's how we want to get down? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. No, no, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great time. But is it wrong to do that? Like, is that what James is saying here? And what I want to say is that he's not communicating that it's wrong to say stuff like that. He's not saying. I want you to look at what he communicates here. Look what he says. Look at exactly what is written. Come now, you who say. Now, remember, who is he talking to? He's talking to the church. He's talking to people that have some pride issues. He's talking to people that are really independent of him, of God, and you know, who are not living the way they should. And he says this. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. There's nothing wrong with that part here. Right? I mean, we're, we're going to do this. This is our plan. There's nothing wrong with that. But the next part of the verse is where we get a little bit sticky. Spend a year there, right? Okay, how do you know you're going to spend a year there? What if you die? 
Buy and sell. What if you're broke? And make a profit. How do you know you're going to make a profit? You haven't even considered the Lord in this. You're just going to do this because you're such great planners, because you're such great businessmen, because you have such wit, you're going to do this. Wait a second. That's the issue that James is addressing. How do I know this? Well, let's look at the next verse. He says, whereas you do not know what will happen. The way that, what did I just say? You may die. Hello. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while, for, for a little time, and then vanishes away. In verse 16, look what he says. He says, but now you boast in your arrogance. That was the issue. They were boasting in their arrogance. We're going to go do this. We're going to do this this way. We're going to do No, no, wait a second. Wait a second. Where, where's the consideration of God in this? See, I love what one writer said. He said, this is practical atheism is what it is. In the church. Did you get that? Among Christian people, among those who say they know Jesus, among those who say that they are walking with God, this is practical atheism. Why? Because here's the thing. We can either plan with God in mind and his will on our hearts, or we can plan irrespective of God without his will on our hearts. We can do all of our planning and say, hey, God, you know what? I'm going to do this, and hopefully you're here. Or we can be different. Remember Moses? You know, Moses was like, Lord, if you don't go with us, I'm not going. When was the last time you prayed something like that about a decision that you were going to make? About something that you were going to do that you were like, God, look, I may be uncomfortable here, but I'd rather be uncomfortable here in your will than be comfortable outside of your will. Well, I, mean, I mean, that's the heart that we're supposed to have. Their boasting is an arrogance. And so here's the thing. We, can, we, we have to have this understanding. This is what practical atheism looks like. We don't plan with God in mind. We don't plan seeking his heart. We don't plan pursuing his will. We don't think in those terms. We think about our comforts. We think about our budget. We think about what's, what, what we like. Instead of saying, hold on a second, what is the will of the Lord in our lives? What is his will? Because that's how we are supposed to live in dependence upon the Lord. So we find that he is communicating this to us. He shows us this example of this practical atheism, planning without the consideration of God. But here, let me say this. We will only ignore God's will when we are ignorant of the practical implications of life. What are those implications? The implications of life are this, and it's right there in those verses. Life is unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Life is brief. Your life is brief. Your life is but what? It's a vapor. Right? A vapor is like a spray that's there for a moment, and then it just passes away. That's what it is. That's what our life is compared to. And then the other thing is that man is frail. Hello. I know, I know some of you think you're strong. I know some of you feel very, you know, very, very, very strong. But in comparison to God and life in general, we're frail. We can't, we can't do anything apart from our God. When we embrace these truths, we will be mindful of the Lord and dependent upon his will in our planning. This is what happens to us when we start to understand those things. Man, tomorrow's not guaranteed. I mean, God forbid something would happen. You know, we live in the lightning capital of the world, I believe. And so, you know, you could tomorrow or today, if it starts storming, get struck by lightning. I hope not. I know that sounds really morbid, but I mean, I'm praying that you don't. Right now, I'm praying you don't get struck by lightning, literally. But here's the thing. You don't know. I mean, you could walk out of here and get into a fatal accident. You could, I mean, you could go to the doctor and get a report that you have some kind of disease that you, I mean, it, this could happen. And I know nobody wants to think about those things. And I don't want you to think about those things. Don't think about them too much right now. But here's the deal. 
Those things could occur. And so you don't know what's going to happen. You don't control. Listen, you can plan all day long, all year long. Listen, you can have your calendar laid out for the next 10 years. You cannot control it to make sure everything comes to pass the way that you want. What has to happen is we have to be dependent upon the will of the Lord. As believers, we cannot passively, listen to this, we cannot passively remain ignorant of the will of God. In other words, we cannot just sit by and be like, you know what, I'm just going to float through life, fly under the radar. I'm not really going to seek God's will for any area. No, 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 you can't do that. As a believer, you can't do that. Nor can you just continually to actively ignore the will of God. Here's another survey for you. How many of you, and we're going to look at this next point here, but how many of you would say that you have actively ignored the will of God? Meaning that you know God said something to you in his word or directly in your heart, and you, and you disobeyed it. Come on, raise that hand. That's everybody in the room, if we're being honest. We've all done that to some degree, right, in some areas, some way in our lives. So we've all done that. So we're going to look at that in a moment. But here's the thing. We cannot continue to actively ignore the will of God. But we must do what? We must strive to live in dependence upon the will of God in our lives. One young man was having a conversation with a pastor, and he was telling him that he was scared to ask the Lord what God wanted for his life. He said, man, I'm afraid, you know, pastor, to ask, you know, the Lord what he wants for my life because I'm, I'm fearful of what he may tell me because I may end up in a situation that is dangerous, you know, some place where, you know, I could end up dying. And the pastor told the young man, he said, listen, I want you to understand this. The, the safest place for you to be is inside of the will of God. The most dangerous place for you to be is outside of the will of God. Because you could be sitting in the suburbs somewhere outside of the will of God. That's the most dangerous place for you to be. You could be in the jungle somewhere where you, where you feel like your life is in a threat. And you know what? That is the safest place to be. Now, you may die. Listen to what I'm going to say. You may die in that situation. That's still the safest place to be. Because if you're living outside of the will of God, you're going to wish you were dead. Hello. Just saying. Second thing. Repeat this after me. Say, we cannot be dependent upon the Lord and be disobedient to his will. We cannot be dependent upon the Lord and be disobedient to his will. Verse 17, look what it says. It says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Therefore, to him who knows to do good. So if you know how to do good and you do not do it, to you it is sin. So if you know something is clear in the Bible, that is sinful. Are we together? This is just a reality. If I know what the Bible says and I don't obey it, it is sinful. If I know what is good and I don't do it, it is sinful. We have to be a people that are committed to doing what we know the truth of Scripture tells us to do. And so what does James do? He actually closes this chapter with this verse. Normally, this would be where I'm ending, but we have one more point to go to. He closes the chapter with this verse, summing up the idea of our need to obey the will of God. So what is he doing? He is reminding us again that it is not enough to be hearers of the word, but that we must be doers of the word. He's reminding us again that it is not enough just to know what the Bible says, but we have to do what the Bible communicates. He's reminding us of this. And so here's the question. I, we, all, we all agree that all of us have broken God's laws. The question is this. Why do we knowingly disobey or disregard God's will? Why do we do that? Everybody, everybody in here raised their hand. Right? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of reasons that would come up. But why, but why, but why do we do that? Huh. I love all the answers. This is beautiful. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, there, there, there's tons of reasons why. I'm going to give you three here, and we'll just kind of walk through these. The first one is obviously pride, right? Because we want to be the master. Because we want to be the one that we're like, hey, you know what, God? I know better than you know, so I'm not going to do what you said. I know you don't say it like that, but hear me when I say this. When you decide you're going to do something contrary to what God tells you to do, that is exactly what you're saying to him. You're saying, you know what, God, you wrote it, you spoke it and all that, and I, yeah, that's good for them. You know, you're one of those elbow hearers, you know, bumping everyone next to you. That's for you, that's for you. You need to be an ear hearer, hello. You need to be one that's hearing with your ears, not with your elbows, right? But some of us are like that. You're like, you know what, God, when you inspired those words for marriage, uh, you weren't talking to me. You, did, you obviously didn't know my husband, hello. You obviously didn't know my wife. When you inspired that, Lord, I don't know, but you, 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 you're going to give me a pass. He ain't going to give you a pass. He gave you a command. Are you here? Right? So what we have is our pride where we want to be masters. We want to be the ones who make these decisions. Another thing that, that we have that is an issue is that we don't understand the will of God. What do I mean by that? Listen, God's will is always good even when it doesn't feel good. It's always right even when it doesn't seem right. We don't understand the will of God. Again, the young man, he didn't want to go anywhere dangerous, you know, for the Lord. He didn't want God to call him and probably was being called or whatever the case was. But we don't understand God's will. It is always good no matter how we feel. Always. It's always good. I mean, we can trust that. The other one is, and this kind of ties in with the first one, is we don't understand the relationship between creator and creation. Understand this. We don't make the rules. We follow them. We don't, we, don't, we don't decide what, you know, because this this how, is how we take the Bible many times. We take the Bible as though they are like options for us. Like they, like, 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 like they are, like, like, you know, God was just making some holy suggestions. Let me just suggest if you do this, you know, if you, if you do this, then you, no, no, hold on a second. He's never suggesting anything. He is the commander-in-chief who is making declarations that command us how to live. And so for us, we have to be those who say, okay, God, you're the creator. We are the creation. We humble ourselves before you. We must recognize that God makes his will known to us. We're going to look at this in this next, this next point here. God makes his will known to us, and it is readily available to us because he wants us to experience his best for our lives. Do you get that? Do you know that when God is telling you no, it is not because he just wants to make you have a bad day. He is telling you no because that no is good for you. Are you here? You know, like a parent, when you tell your child not to run out in traffic, is it because you just want them not to have a good time? <laughs> Son, don't run out there because I don't want you to have a great time splattered all over. Right? Like you tell your child no because you love them. And as parents that are earthly, we don't know all the right answers. You know, we have some common sense, right? And there's some wisdom that God gives us, and we do our best to instruct them. Can I tell you something? Our Heavenly Father has all wisdom. He is all wise. He is all knowing. When he says no, he knew why he said no before you were going to ask why. Hello. He knows what the outcome's going to be. And, 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 and we have to embrace that truth that his will is there because he wants us to experience his best for our lives. When we openly reject his will and disobedience, what we do is we insult his grace because when we say we don't want to obey him, you know what we're saying? We're saying, God, I don't want what you have for me. Do you get that? When you disobey God, you are saying, God, I do not want what you have for me. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to figure it out. And you know what that happens? What that does to us is it brings us under his judgment. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that we read every Sunday when we do communion because we want that to be driven home inside of your heart. We don't want it to become wah, 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 wah. That's not the reason why we do that. 
We read it because there's truth there. If you would judge yourself, you would not be judged. Do you remember that? Every Sunday we read that verse. If you would judge yourself, talking about the body of the Lord, talking about your position before God. If you would judge yourself, you wouldn't experience God's judgment. Listen, that applies to all of life, not just communion. If you would judge yourself, where are you at within the will of God? And so the, th the, the third point that I'll ask you to repeat after me is to say, our dependence upon the Lord is validated and our submission to his will. Our dependence upon the Lord is validated and our submission to his will. Look at verse 15. It says this. It says, instead... So instead of saying that we're going to go here for a year, we're going to spend, we're going to buy, we're going to make a profit, instead of doing that, he says, this is what you should have said. You should say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. So notice what he's saying here. He's saying, this is how you should be living your life. Now, here's the thing that I want you to get. A lot of people have adopted this, right? This is like a cliche. Come on, y'all have that uncle. Si Dios quiere. Y'all you know, know that guy, right? English translation, if the Lord wills. You know, it's like a you know, Spanish thing. I don't know. You know, see, Dios quiere. They don't even know God. They, they have no relationship with God, but you hang up with them. Si, si, Dios quiere. You know? Yes, if God wills. Like, really? Like, what, what, on earth, what, are you what God are you talking about? Like, I, you know. But here, here's the thing. We say that, but then there's other people in the church too, you know, and I hope you're not this person because I've had this conversation with that person. But, you know, there's some people that have adopted this as their cop-out to doing things they don't want to do. Come on, y'all know that person. Don't be that person now. You know that person. You're having the conversation with them. Hey, man, we're having this event and we're doing this thing. And they're like, yeah, well, if God wills. Oh, that's, that, that's your saying. I'm not coming. Because God's not going to grab me by my neck, yank me out of my bed, put me in the shower, bathe my behind, dress me, brush my teeth, put me in my car, and drive me there. Well, I guess it wasn't God's will. Why don't we try that with work? Why don't we try work like that, right? I bet you your behind will be living under a box, and maybe not because you may want God to fix the box for you to live under. What I'm saying is we have to have an understanding when we're saying God's will. You know, if it's God's will, what we're saying is we are going to pursue the will of God. We're going to pursue his will. We're going to pursue his heart. We are going to really seek him in a manner to know what his will is. You know, for example, we look at our, our Connect Life groups that we have here. You know, when we think about Connect Life groups, we pray. I don't know what you do. I know that we pray about the groups that we're going to put out. And the reason why is because we want everybody to have an opportunity to be edified, to be built up. So my question is, for those of you that are not part of a Connect, are you praying about connecting? Because the Bible is clear that we're supposed to be connected. Does it not say that? And it, it, say, it doesn't say you have to be in a connect life group. That, that isn't what it said. It says we're supposed to be together because we've been redeemed from the, from the sin that we were in and the separation from God and separation from one another to each other. So we should be in relationship. So are you praying about that? Because in September, we're going to start them up again. And I'm hoping that everybody decides to obey the Lord. Amen. That would be so awesome. And say, yo, I'm going to get connected. I'm going to make some changes in my schedule. Well, maybe God wills for me to do this on Wednesday instead of that. What a thought. Just saying. Right? Like thinking through those things. For those of you that are not serving, if you're not serving in an area, you know, the Bible teaches that we should serve based upon our gifts. That's what the Bible teaches. So are we praying about serving? Like, okay, God, what is your will? Where is it that you want me to serve? Because I should be serving in the body of Christ based on my gifts, based on my talents, based on my passions and abilities. How can I do that to bring you glory and honor? 
These are things that we should be praying about. But let me give you a couple of things real quick that are really practical when it looks like us or what it looks like for us. Because the Bible has two things that we see clearly. We see one is those things are the general will of God, the prescriptive will of God for everyone. There's certain things that everybody in this room is responsible for. Whatever the Bible teaches, clearly that is what we are responsible to do if it pertains to our lives. And so we need to look at those things there in the scriptures. And so I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures to write down. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5. This is a scripture that tells us what? It shows us that the will of God is that we yield ourselves to him. So what is God's will? That we are yielded to him, that we are submitted to him, that we are surrendered unto him. So that's 2 Corinthians 8, 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3, it shows us that the will of God is that we avoid sexual immorality. Hello. It is the will of God. It is not a holy suggestion. It is the clear, bona fide will of God that we stay away from sexual immorality. Right? So that would include everything. That's pornography. That's adultery. That's sex outside of marriage. That's all of those things, right? All of those things are sexual immorality, and the Bible clearly says it is the will of God that we flee from those things. The third thing that I'll say here is that you look at 1 Corinthians, I mean 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, and it is this. It is the will of God that all Christians rejoice, pray, and thank God. That is God's clear will for their lives. And then every other commandment, you can write this down also, every other commandment in the New Testament, everything that God commands is our responsibility to live. All of those things are within his will for our lives. Now here's what I want you to get. Our dependence upon God is clearly seen in our diligence in seeking him in his word and seeking him in a relationship. What does the Bible teach us? The Bible teaches what? Um, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. This is a scripture that's really important. It tells us to be diligent. To present ourselves workers unto God who, who rightly divide the word of truth, who have not need to be ashamed, right? And so we are to be diligent in the study of the scriptures. Here's why this is so important. Because we need to know what God's clear prescriptive will is for every area of our lives that are clearly written in the scriptures. Are you here? We need to know this. There's no question. I don't need to pray about how to be a husband and try to wait for God to speak to me. I need to simply apply what the Bible says. Because what? It's clear. It's clear. But see, then there's another thing, Hebrews 11:6. This is a verse that is our, that this is our vision verse for our church. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. And those who come to Him must believe that He is. And listen to this, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently say diligently, diligently seek Him. Not those who seek him once in a while. Not those who talk to Him once in a blue moon. No, no, no. Those who diligently seek Him. And so what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to be diligent in the Word of God so that way when we come to those things that are in the will of God, that are not in the Word of God, that we're able to know what His will is in those situations. Are you here? Because there's some things that are not clearly written out in the Scriptures, you know. I mean, for example, you know, some people differ, differ with me on this particular topic. But when it comes to marriage, right, I mean, how many of y'all believe in God that God is a sovereign God? How many of y'all believe that? So I believe he's a sovereign God. So for me, because I believe that, the way that I live that out, I flesh that out in marriage, is that I don't believe that there were seven women that I could have chose from, and I just happened to pick a good one. Like, that's not what I believe, right? Like, I don't believe that way. I believe that God has a specific person that I'm supposed to be with. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I think marriage is a huge thing for me to just, like, kind of toss the dice. Like, hey, maybe I got the right one. Think about it. But here's the thing. Whatever you believe, it, doesn't, it matters. But here's what I want you to understand. When I am going to, I can do two things. Number one, if you're looking for someone to be married to, for those of you that are single that may be looking, praying, whatever the case is, 
Do me a favor. Read your Bible. Before you make your own list, look at God's list. You'll be much better off. Listen, you don't have to hear anything like audible from God. If you just follow this list and measure him by this list, you're going to be in a good place. If you follow this list and you measure her by this list, you're going to be in a good place. But see, then there's the other side of this, right? Like, okay, God, how do I know? Well, here, this is what I know. One of the things I do in premarital counseling, this is a question that should be asked all the time. How do you know this is the one? It's an important question because I'm going to tell you something. If you don't know that before you get married, when you get married, there's going to be plenty of moments you're going to be like, man, did I marry the right one? There's going to be plenty of moments you're going to be like, man, I married a crazy one. I don't know if this is the right one. This is a crazy one for sure. There's going to be moments. I'm just saying, like, is it like, Lord, did, it, did, did I do the right thing? I mean, this happens in marriage, the best of marriages. Listen, we were married one. I'll tell you one story. I'm, I always mess this story up, but I'm going to tell it anyway. It's pretty hilarious. So my wife and I, in our first year of marriage, we're in the house, and, um, you know, I don't know what happened. I, this is going to sound so crazy, but I broke the bed, okay? So... Not like you think, right? But I broke, I don't know how, but we were, what I'm saying is our head, our bed was over there and the actual mattress was on the floor. And so we're laying on the floor. And as we're laying on the floor, I don't, we got into some kind of argument. And my wife literally, right? She thought like I didn't notice this. She literally put on her clothing, right? Under her pajamas, right? So I couldn't see this. And she laid down and then she was going to get up and just leave because she was just over me. That's just real. And I'm an amazing guy. Now listen, but here's the how could she? I mean, she, she knew, right? right. Like, like there was a point. But the thing is, at that moment, right, she got up. Obviously, we're still together. We're going to celebrate 20 years in September, so we made it through. But the point that I'm trying to make, and, man, I'm way over. I'm so sorry. It's the worship team's fault. But anyway, um, it's actually y'all's fault because y'all decided to worship today, and so, you know, it just happened. But, hey, man, we're good. We're good, right? We're, we're, the presence of the Lord, right? There's nothing. We want more. You got more. Here we go. So here's the thing, right? Y'all wanted more? Wrap me in your arms. Wrap me in your arms, baby. Let's do it. So, so here, here's the thing. <laughs> Listen, you guys, you guys are awesome. Um, were y'all blessed by the worship today, right? That, that was amazing. But here's the, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I was talking about my wife, wasn't I, right? I was telling my story. Y'all thought I forgot, right? Yes. So she's in here, and she's getting up, and she's going to walk out, right? She's going to leave the house. And so I think she got up, and, if I, and this is where I get the story all messed up. It was late. Um, and so she goes out. I'm like, where are you going? Like, we're in this. Like, divorce is not an option. Like, we don't talk about that. Like, you're, where are you going? Well, I'm going to my mom's house. Your mom don't want you home. She already told you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> your mom told you, que se casa pa su casa. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he who gets married, go to your house. That, you go to your house. That's what you do. That's the translation of that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, my wife is not here today. Y'all don't tell her me. But here's the thing. Hopefully she's not watching this because if she is, I'm in trouble. But... Ultimately, the point was we had this conversation and we talked about this. And there are moments, you know, and I, and I, you know, I always joke. I'm like, she probably wants to leave me a lot more than I want to leave her. But the reality is if you don't know the will of God before you start taking steps, it makes those steps that are unstable really cause you to shake. It really causes your faith to shake. And so that's why it's so important that you know on the front end, and for those of you, since we're talking about marriage, some of you, you're going to hear an audible voice and be like, that's the one, and you're going to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's for me. That's happened to me. But can I tell you something? There's at least 10 other people in here that they know they married the right one. They never heard an audible voice. 
And they knew it before they got married because what? God affirmed that relationship. God showed them this was the right way. There's some of you in here, you weren't even Christian when you got married. And guess what? God sovereignly brought you together and you're here today rejoicing in Jesus. Tell me God is not awesome. So anyway, all that to say, we need to be those people that are diligent. And listen, you can blame first service for this. You're about to get offended, but here's the deal. Because I promised them I was going to tell you all this. I have to tell you, I cannot not say it. But here's the thing that we have to understand. When we talk about diligence in seeking the Lord, when we talk about dependence upon God, we are talking about seeking him in a qualitative time but also a quantitative time. And here's my thing. If you say that you're dependent upon the Lord, let me ask you, how is your prayer life? And let me, let me say this like this. One of the worst lies that we allow people to believe is five minutes a day is good enough with God. Listen, I need you to know something. The reason why Christianity looks the way it does now is because people believe that lie. Because they think, and listen, don't, don't get offended with this. I'm all good. I get like six devotionals a day. I read none of them. But here's the thing. Because I signed up for something else, they send me devotionals. And I'm like, delete, delete, and then I try to save it because I'm going to read it later. And then I have 25 devotionals I haven't read, and I delete them anyway. But here's the point. The point is, I'm all about devotionals. But you should never allow your daily devotional that took you three minutes to read and two minutes to forward to be your daily intake of God's word. That can be a start. That can be an appetizer. That might even be dessert. But here's what I'm saying. That should not be the meat of your relationship with Jesus. When it comes to your prayer time, I mean, think about any relationship that you have. If you had a prayer time that was, I mean, if you had a relationship that it was like five minutes a day, some days, because let me tell you something, most people, if we're honest, that say five minutes a day is good, they're not spending five minutes every day. They're spending five minutes here, five minutes there, five minutes here, five minutes there. We're just keeping it real in here, right? And so what happens is, if you were to have a relationship like that, how would that relationship look? It wouldn't be looking like anything because it wouldn't be a relationship. Hello. So my question is, what's your prayer life like? You depend on God. You say you depend on him. What does your prayer life look like? Let's talk about your word life, right? Not just praying and talking to God, being in his presence, but your word life. Again, going back to the devotional, you know, it's not just that. Is there a time that you devote to being in the word of God? You know, it's one of the things that I love. I mean, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll brag on him, but I had lunch with Elia, you know, a while back. And as we were sitting down and as I get around him, you know, we got to spend some time together. Is I love sitting down with him and hearing him talk about the word and him being in the word because he's a man that is in his Bible. I use him as an example, not like there's not other men, but I just want to point out, he's a man that has studied the Bible. He's looking at the scriptures. He's seeing what God is saying. He's, he's not just reading it casually. We can't be casual readers of the word. We have to be in the word of God. And so here's my closing question for you. Does your life as a whole demonstrate true dependence upon the Lord? And I gave you two ways to test that. What does your prayer life look like? What does your word life look like? And listen, if you're in this place, and I know this because I, because I sit in those seats, I feel the weight of the conviction. I know that some of you are feeling terrible right now, like I'm beating you up. And listen, I just want to I w- I give you the life rope of grace. Hello. I want you to know something. Jesus died because he knew you were going to think five minutes a day was good enough. He died because he knew that your daily devotionals were going to be enough for you. And he knows that that stuff's not enough. That's why he went to the cross. So you could come to him and say, God, forgive me for not demonstrating dependence on you, for not walking dependently upon you in my prayer life, in my word life, in the decisions I'm making in my life where I'm really diligently seeking you to know your will. Forgive me for that. That's why he died, so you could have assurance that he forgives. 
assurance that he welcomes you into his presence. He's not beating you up. He's, he, he's, he's not doing anything like that. He's calling you home, saying, come, I want to spend time with you. I want to break the bread of the word with you. I want to speak to your life. I want you to know me, and I want you to walk with me every day, depending upon me, trusting me, knowing that I'm directing your steps. Amen? So I'll stand to our feet. Let's bow our heads, please. Close our eyes. And really quickly, thank you so much, first of all, for giving me a few more minutes. But if you're in here and you say, God, I have not demonstrated true dependence upon you, whether it's a lack of prayer, whether it's a lack of being in the Word, whatever it is, and you just know that God is calling you to a higher place of dependence upon Him, and you say, God, I want to do that today. I just want to see your hand lifted up before the Lord so I can pray with you. I see those hands. Amen. 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 You can put your hands down. Grab your neighbor's hand. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you right now and we lift up every person that lifted their hands to you today. Father, I pray for them, Lord God, that you would strengthen them, that you fill them with grace, that you fill them with wisdom, that you fill them with a passion for your presence that you overwhelm them, Lord God, with an understanding of who you are, that, they, that you would open your word to them, Lord God, that as they open up their Bibles, that they would experience the greatness of your love, that they would experience the abundance of your power and presence, that they would be overwhelmed by you, God, that they would long for you, that their time in prayer would not be enough because they're so overwhelmed by who you are. God, bring change and transformation to our lives. Let us be a people that are marked by our trust and our dependence upon you in all areas. God, I thank you for this, and I pray this in Jesus' good name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise.